0: Rule one, don't call me the Donald. (laughs) Never, ever call me the Donald. So this is one of the coolest things ever. This has been a lot of work, and not just my work, but we've got a team of around 15 people who have worked to all put this together. Uh, So thank you, each and every one of you who's worked and donated your time and been out here to help us put on this conference. Second thing is, it's not often you can speak to 200-plus medical providers and speak to them with a beer in your hand. So thank you, Great Divide, for having us. And, <laughs> and the public service announcement. We see drinking and driving as much as we see heroin overdoses, so be smart about it. If you drank too much tonight, just let one of us know. We'll get your cab right home. Okay? So be safe. Um, so I get to talk about a project that Colorado ASAP has taken on. In Colorado, ASAP is the American College of Emergency Physicians. Here, we're the trade group for your emergency docs. And we're working to revolutionize our care of people who are opioid addicted and to really revolutionize our pain in the emergency department. We've been working for about four or five months with a ton of smart people, not just ER docs, but people from the addiction community, Rob, Lisa, et cetera. We've got 30 plus people who are working on these guidelines and making them the most comprehensive guidelines in the nation. And what I get to do tonight is get each and every one of you a sneak peek. So this is a problem. How many of you knew that seven people died of an overdose in Cleveland in one day over the weekend? That's around five or six hands. Now imagine if that was a different type of shot. Imagine if that was a shooting. How many of you would know? Right? This is a silent epidemic. People are dying in the streets every single day day, and it gets a little blurb on the news headlines. It's not even on CNN. I look for the story on CNN after this happened. Nothing. Zippo. Zilch. Right? Some of you may have seen this picture, this picture of a couple of people who overdosed, right? and they had their four year old in the background. A lot of people are saying that this is, this is the picture that's going to define our, our overdose epidemic, etc. It's got people angry. It's got people fired up in some cases. Um, And I used to be one of those people. I used to see this, and my first reaction wasn't understanding. It wasn't anything. It was just pissed off. Look at those mother who had overdosed with a four-year-old in the background. right? But if you look at both these cases, six of those seven people who died of that overdose started with a doctor and a script. Both of those people who overdosed with the four-year-old in the background started most likely at the hands of a well-intending physician who was taught that you had to treat pain, and you had to treat pain with opioids. So before you get pissed off about this, I say we should all look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves if we're part of this problem. When I did that, I said, hell yes, I'm part of this problem. And hell yes, I'm going to be part of the solution. And I hope each and every one of you who's here takes that same feeling home with you. Yep, I can draw. (laughs) You can admit it. This is our world, guys, really. And every guideline you've seen before us basically has that little line there that says supply. That's what every guideline to this point has said. Hey, stop prescribing for this, stop doing this, stop doing that. Don't give, don't give, don't give. No, 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 no. No is important, right? We shouldn't get people started on these drugs. They're dangerous drugs, right? In fact, when you look at all narcotics, there is no more dangerous drug than opioids. None, zero, zilch. They're highly, highly addictive, right? You hear Tiffany, who I have got, by the way, a world of respect for you. You are my hero. Thank you so much for being here today. Right, and you, and you hear her say, how do I feel when you're high on heroin? And she says, it feels really damn good. Right? If you ask any of our heroin addicts, they tell you the same thing. My favorite description of what it feels like to be high on heroin is it's like touching the face of God and having him smile at you. Or her. Probably her. Right? What wouldn't you do to get that feeling? To touch the face of God. Right? People will do anything. And not only that, they get hooked on it, and then when they try to quit it, they feel like crap. Its therapeutic window is about this friggin' small. So you take too much of it, it's one and done. Right? And here's the mind-bending thing. Opioids cause chronic pain, is what we're discovering. Right? It's a self perpetuating cycle. Opioids cause chronic pain. Just wrap your head around how bad these drugs are for our patients, and I'll tell you what, you're not going to want to prescribe them with the same type of vigor that we're doing currently. So on the supply side, we've all been candy men. And just like the 1990s (laughs) villain, the candy man kills people. And our prescribing practices have killed 30,000 Americans a year, right? We can't be the candy man anymore. You can't prescribe opioids for ankle pain. You can't prescribe opioids for, you know, for a chipped tooth. You can't prescribe a drug that's potentially life-altering for a minor painful complaint. We've got to stop this ridiculous practice. Right? I'm not saying don't do opioids completely, but I'm saying be judicious about opioids. Remember the risk that they carry. I've heard a lot of friends. This is this exists in our state. Thank you, Rob. Right? Thank you, people who work on this. We can check if people are abusing. But when I talk to my partners about whether they check it, you know the answer I get? Nope. I don't have the time. I don't have, you know, oh, it's too many clicks. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Stop making excuses. This could save someone's life. If you find out that someone's addicted and you go talk with them and it prevents you from feeding an addiction, and actually speaking with that person with an addiction, that is a major medical intervention. We should all be checking our drug databases. I agree, it's too many clicks. It's a bit of a pain. Hopefully, Rob's going to fix it, right? (laughs) But we should be doing it. Talk with people. I'm amazed by what happens when I talk with people. My old practice was, You know, we all get judged on time to opioids, right? That's one of our quality metrics. And quality metric is in huge, friggin' underlined quotation marks, quality Okay, But whenever I signed up for an abdominal pain, two doses of Dilaudid, I didn't even talk with the patient. I just put it in so our nurses can give it and stop the clock. That's stupid. My practice was stupid. And now that I talk with patients and I say, you're in pain, let's talk about what we can do to get out of it so we can go the opioid right, we can go the non-opioid. I'm amazed by how many of our patients say, hey, I want to try all these other things before you give me that drug. It's amazing what happens when you talk to people. It's truly amazing. And we have to get back to that. Finally, we're gonna, if we're limiting the supply of opioids, all of us have had fights, or all of us have had confrontation with people who are addicted, with people who make threats to you. Oh, well, if you don't give me this, 5 Percocet, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get some heroin. Right? I think I've think i heard that line. How many of you have heard that line? Right? I see a ton of different hands going up. You can't fight with your patients. Right? And here's one of the biggest things. Don't waste your breath screaming back and forth. Don't slam down your Colorado drug monitoring thing and say, you're a drug seeker and blah, 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 and get the hell out of my ER. That's not helpful to anyone. Right? When you have those things, you're going to have guidelines with this that back you up. They're going to say, hey, it's not up to me. There's guidelines. If I actually prescribe this, my medical director, et cetera, is going to find out, and I'm going to be in trouble. I always make it about something else than about me and the patient. That way, I can talk to them about getting help. So that thing in the middle. So that's just the supply side, right? And we can't just be no men. If we're not telling people not to use opioids, we've got to give them alternatives. And I want to, and our keynote speaker Mark Rosenberg's up here, and we're going to go point by point through the slide. No, we're not. Just kidding. But we have this whole other alto paradigm, so we can offer people something else as a first-line pain regimen, and offer opioids only as a rescue pain regimen. We're talking about things like ketamine, and a dose of pain control ketamine has the same efficacy as morphine. Why wouldn't you start with something that's not addictive? I sure as heck would. Lidocaine. If you're an emergency doc out there and you're not doing trigger point injections, you've got to change your practice. It's practice changing. Stop making excuses. Go learn how to do it. You're going to use it for your headaches. You're going to use it for all your muscle pains. It's going to be like friggin' magic. okay? And it is. It's changed my practice. Use lidocaine for trigger point injections. If you're not using lidocaine for kidney stones, right? 1.5 milligrams per kilogram. It's not that we don't have alternatives. It's that we don't know about them. You should start using that. If you're not painting people in lidoderm patches, right? Everyone loves a sticker, people. You should start using lidoderm. And I, and I don't say that jokingly. I say that because it helps you avoid expo- exposing people to risk. Right? Haldol. Haldol is awesome for neuropathic pain. Haldol is awesome for chronic abdominal pain. I don't give 10 rounds of Dilatid for these people. I give them a dose of Haldol and I usually can get them home. Right? Revolutionize your practice. Tordol. Tordol is an awesome drug. To me, that should be our first line drug for most pain. 15 milligrams every patient. 15 is the same as 30 in case you're wondering. That's why you always start with 30. With 15, sorry. I don't even use 30 anymore. Right? Same for pain. We should be using that first line. Bental, great for crampy type of abdominal pain pain. Great for cramps. I give people a shot of Bental rather than a shot of morphine. Okay? And then the things that aren't on this list is Lyrica, gabapentin. We can treat neuropathic pain. Right? If you come to me and they say, the only thing I can do is give this person narcotics, I'm going to tell you, you do not know half of pain management, and it's time that you learn it. Right? Because this is the type of revolution we're going to need. We just can't say, no, we're not going to treat pain. We're going to say, I've got all this stuff I can bring to the table. We're going to get you comfortable. I'm not going to expose you to something that's potentially going to ruin your life. When you do this, you can do amazing things across the country and here, just locally. right? We've got our fame. The press loves to call this an opioid-free ED. We all know it's not. But it's an ED that prioritizes keeping people safe and using things which aren't opioids. And I'm really proud to work in a department and with other providers who see things in the same light. So here's what no other protocol has. If you look at any guideline in the country, all they say is stop the supply, stop the supply, stop the supply. What happens in the middle? What happens in the middle is harm reduction. And every provider in here needs to bring harm reduction to the bedside. Because what we did do was not working, giving people tough love, treating them like crap. Right? I never want to have a patient like Tiffany, when they're suffering, when they're coming to us, be treated like she was treated when she went into the Marines Department. We should be ashamed of patients who treated I am ashamed of some of the interactions I've had with people who used IV drugs in the past, because I had that mentality. I didn't have compassion. This was their fault. We have to get past thinking that this is a moral disease. It's a medical disease. Addiction is a medical disease. And they have just as much right to be in our emergency department as anyone else. And you can reach these people. If you care about them, if you show them that they're worth quitting for, you can reach these people. And you've got to start doing a better job. We have to approach them with respect. Meet them where they are not where you want them to be, right? Meet them where they are. Hey, you've come in. You've overdosed on heroin. Are you ready to quit? Well, likely not, right? But hey, let me talk with you, because I care about you. You're a nice person. I think that you can get through this. But if you're going to use, I want to make sure that you're safe. I want to make sure that you're healthy on the day that you decide to quit, that you don't have HIV, that you don't have hepatitis, right? We all know. What happens when you use IV drugs? Medically, right? It's hammered into your brain at medical school. We teach nothing about how to prevent this. Nothing. Zilch. Zippo. Right? I was in a group of emergency doctors, 30, really smart, educated, old doctors, new doctors. And I asked them a simple question. How many of you know how to shoot heroin? I didn't see a hand. No one of them had a first amount of clue. Neither did I. Right? They don't teach you how to shoot heroin in medical school. How are we supposed to be our brother's keepers? How are we supposed to care for people if we don't have an inkling of what the heck they're doing to themselves? We should all know how to shoot heroin if you're a medical provider. You know why? So you can go through the steps of how to keep them safe while they're using. Right? It's not just about fresh needles. It's about fresh needles, fresh syringe, clean water. It's about not recycling your cottons because that carries hepatitis C. It's about good hygiene. You've got to wash your friggin' arm before you inject yourself. You've got to use alcohol pads. You can't start licking the heroin off the end of your needle if you're injecting it in yourself. Next time you see someone with an abscess coming into the emergency department, first of all, give them friggin' lidocaine, right? Treat them like a human being. Don't just lance their arm without any anesthetic. Second of all, Talk with them about how they're going to inject safely and how they're never going to show up in your emergency department with another abscess because they know what they're doing. That's what we've got to bring to the bedside. That's what harm reduction is all about. And each one of you, if you're a doctor or a nurse, has a homework assignment. Go and watch a video about how to inject heroin and inject heroin safely. It's on emergencymedicalminute.com. Just go to videos. You can click on it. Right? Know how to talk with your patients. Refer people to Lisa. Woo! Refer people to needle exchange in your community. And here's something that's probably controversial. How many of you heard about Austin, Indiana? Small rural emergency de- small rural community, 4,000 people, 150 cases of HIV AIDS, all from, a- from IV drug use. There's no way in hell they had needle exchange in that small town in Indiana. The emergency department was that Community's safety net, and we failed them. And one of the things that our guidelines are going to try to champion is if there's no needle exchange program in your community, you should try to start it. And heck, maybe you should try to start it out of the emergency department because no one sees IV drug users the way that we see them. Naloxone. If you're not prescribing naloxone, wake up. Wake up and do it. No excuses. No, I'm enabling. No, you're not. You're saving a life, right? You're enabling someone to live, like Lisa said. If you're not prescribing this, you are behind the time. And my thought, this is malpractice, right? And that's not from a legal thing that Alan talks from. That's from a moral thing. You have to care about these people enough to give them the ability to save their life or their friend's life if they're going to continue using. We've got to do better. We've got to demand better from ourselves and from our colleagues. This is a hard one. I would love to refer all my people to a MAT, right? I'd love to refer them to programs, but we can't. Like Alan says, there's no place to land the plane. Right? Lisa tries works her ass off and she can get people in maybe in a few months. We've got to be their voice. We've got to start telling people. We've got to start telling our people on the hill. We've got to start advocating for MAT in our communities. Because this is a huge deficit. This is a hole. We need to start making it better. This is our world. We have to own this from start to end. There's no way that this epidemic ends without emergency medicine. There's no way this epidemic ends without everyone in this room doing their part in changing how they view this problem. This problem isn't only a problem of our patients. In medicine, we are as addicted to prescribing opioids as our patients are to taking them. And we've got to change that. Right? When you look at what the term doctor means, doctor doesn't mean pain reliever. Doctor means teacher. Right? When you look at what the term patient means, patient means sufferer. We can't relieve human suffering. In fact, we've tried to for the last 10 years. And as our prescriptions for opioids have increased by four to five-fold, you know what people rank their pain? It's the same. Since 1999 till now, it's the same. The only thing that's changed is how many addicts we've made and how many people are dead. Right? Doctor doesn't mean pain reliever. Doctor means teacher. And what I'm going to teach my patients is that, yes, I'm there to help relieve their suffering. And if they are suffering, and I think I'm going to harm them, I'm not going to prescribe them an opioid. Because the oath that I took says, first, do no harm. And I know I've been doing harm. The second thing is I'm going to bring to the bedside what everyone's always brought, what our profession has brought since its inception. is you're going to bring your caring. You're going to bring your compassion to that bedside. right? You're going to teach people that while they may suffer, they will never suffer alone because you're going to be there for them. Even if you disagree on how to treat it, you're going to be there for them. If we do that, we can end this epidemic. I thank you for your time. Appreciate you so much for being here.